0: The summer of 1987 was officially at an end, but for me, life was just beginning. I had a ticket to a gig, which was at a venue in a suburb that I'd never set foot in before. kind of seemed
1: like the ends of the earth. It was sort of on the darker south side, <laughs> a place where I hadn't ventured very
2: much. The rugby club, Brisbane, the deep north.
0: I must have looked like this new kid in town, fresh out of school, and at 17, I really shouldn't have been there. And upon arriving at this place, I felt like I was stepping through this doorway into a whole new world.
3: I guess for an atheist, it's the closest thing you can have to a religious experience.
0: And it was a world of music and subcultures and politics, and it was all happening within one room. I wasn't sure of what lay ahead, but I knew very early on that night that that was exactly where I needed to be.
2: There's some places where when you go on stage, the audience make the noise that they're supposed to make when you come off stage, and when that happens, you know you're into a really great night.
4: Ready? I start, mate. I oh, thank you very much. Yeah, if, if you can keep 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 the disco turned off and the lights turned on, so I can see where the fucking hell I am, because it's a very high stage tonight. And those uh, slick bastards in Sydney want me back tomorrow, so we should have some fun here tonight.
0: And... This is From A to Triple Z, an original 4 Triple Z podcast series diving into the station's archives to explore the patchwork past, cultural significance, and incredible stories of Brisbane Community Radio 4 Triple Z. I'm Kristen Black, and this episode is about one very special night where a three way friendship was forged between a city, a singer, and a station. For those of us who were there, we didn't realise that those two hours were about to change our lives and that this concert would be forever a part of 4 Z history. It was the start of 1987, and I felt like my life was finally beginning. i just left a conservative all-girls school, and not a moment too soon. I was ready for a completely new chapter in politics, in music and in life. Brisbane in 1987 was still a big country town and it was the capital of the deep north to our southern cousins.
3: The
0: The hot Brisbane climate was stifling and in more ways than one because conservative politics had this ironclad grip on the state. Joe was elected to office exactly one year before I came along, and he was the only Premier I'd ever known. He was deified by some, despised by others, but it was hard to imagine a Queensland without Joe, Flo, and their nationals. I remember watching a music program featuring a young English singer songwriter playing his electric guitar. The song was sad, and it told the story of a young woman who had a broken heart, body, and dreams. But he was so different. He was a storyteller, a bit like a busker, and he had very clever lyrics and not your average voice. I watched his hands so closely as he moved up and down the neck of his fretboard. It was an epiphany for me as I was given my first lesson in bar chords, and the song was Levi Stubbs' tears. I could never have imagined that I'd have the chance to say thank you to Billy some 33 years later.
2: Everything's going. Would you like me to give some level for you to um, mess with there? Twas brilliant and the slithy Toves did Gaia and Gimbal in the way. All Mimsy were the Borogoves and the Moamraths gay. Beware the Jabberwock, my son. All good? <laughs> Brisbane is, a, or was to us, it's not now because I've been there many times, but it was a very strange place to, to come to. It was my first trip to, uh, to Australia. I think um, the support from radio stations like uh, 4 Z had managed to um, sort of drum up some interest in, in me coming. And the, as far as, as I was concerned, all I knew I was going into the deep north. Hmm. And it seemed to me the place that had the closest similarity with what we were facing with Margaret Thatcher in the UK was Queensland with Joe Bjork Peterson. He seemed to be the, the, the equivalent of Margaret Thatcher, that kind of hardcore um, conservative, uh, trying to take things back to how they were in the 1950s, you know, anti uh, liberty. So it seemed to me that Queensland was the place where um, perhaps what I was saying would have the most resonance.
4: Someone described Queensland to me as thatcherism uh, where the sun shines. I shouldn't think the sunshine makes up for anything. I shouldn't believe it doesn't it?
3: He really had that kind of rallying cry, that ability to really kind of galvanise an audience and and have the total room in the palm of his hand.
0: Jeff Wilson is affectionately known as a fucking saddo, It's a nickname Billy's given his most diehard fans, which gives us some idea of the extent of Jeff's adoration. Jeff used to catch my school bus in 1982 and through moving in Brisbane music circles, we crossed paths again. He has that where were you when moment that he first heard Billy Bragg.
3: Yeah, okay, Triple Z gets all the credit for that. Life's All Right came out in 1983, which was the year that I started to learn guitar. And just one night, I heard Billy on the radio. I heard this, well, I didn't know who it was. I heard this crazy, like, not very good singer playing not very good guitar and it was totally inspirational.
4: I was 21 years when I wrote this song. I'm 22 now, but I won't be for long. People ask me, when will you up to be a man? But all the girls are out in school already pushing plans.
3: And here you are, being a I hack guitarist, hearing this you know, person who's not really that much sounding that much better than you are in your bedroom in Brisbane. and he's from England, and you're hearing him on the radio
4: here?.
3: So I've got this really clear memory of the room that I was sitting in when I heard it, and I must have been sitting there doing uni work. It was my first year of uni. And hearing this and going, wow, I could actually, like, my my crap guitar playing could actually end up having me played on the radio in a a foreign country. So Triple Z gets all the credit for that.
0: Four Triple Z had been providing an alternative voice to Joe's regime for 12 years by this stage, and at times it was the only thing that kept us sane. The station was already opening my ears and my mind to music and ideas I hadn't found anywhere else. It was up against so much,
3: and it had my full attention. And then, of course, the first time that he comes, the first couple of times that he comes here, Triple Z presents the shows. So there's this beautiful connection for me between Triple Z and Billy. Yeah, and Billy and Triple Z. And Billy and Triple Z, that's right, yeah. The first couple of times that he came out here, he subscribed to the station. He was one of the very first international subscribers. So, yeah, great connection.
0: East League's Club was an unlikely venue out in the suburbs. I had no idea where I was and I recall getting lost. I wound up in some back street and had to get out the refidex. 4 Z often put on shows at Easts. This show, however, was extra special. Radiothon, the station's subscriber drive and annual fundraiser, was into its third and final day.
4: I want to thank you all for coming out tonight and supporting this fundraiser for uh, uh, 4 Z. Uh, they need all the help and support they can get. This show has been recorded for broadcast uh, on that radio station, so uh, shout and clap and stomp on yourself on the radio. It's big fun. That's me, Mum.
1: There's very few performers who um, you can sit in front of in a crowd of, several hundred and feel as though they're speaking directly to you.
0: David McGarity first encountered Billy Bragg in the true deep north of Queensland in the Townsville suburb of Woolgaroo. It's
1: not a place where many songs get written. or. (laughs) um,
0: And it was at parties during the late 1980s that I recall David entertaining us with a guitar in hand and the songs were always Billy Bragg's.
1: Well, I'd moved down from Townsville to go to uni. I was in first year of uni studying drama. And um, I couldn't believe he was coming to town. I got tickets in whatever way I did, probably from Rocking Horse or somewhere like that. And to me, uh, East Legs Club kind of seemed like the ends of the earth. It was sort of on the darker south side, a place where I hadn't ventured very much. I can't even remember how I got there. there was a bit of lining up outside. I went with my uh, good friend, Susan, a woman who I later um, married.
4: La, 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 <laughs> Means I love you.
1: And the concept was pretty wild. You know, I'd never seen him play live before. Um, And we are talking about 1987, pre YouTube. You know, if I wanted a Billy Bragg record, I'd have to wait for it to be released and, Mm and get it or tape it off a friend and um, Susan recalls um, a skinhead standing in front of her. She was displeased about that. Mm. Um, So we shifted um, to being quite close to the front.
0: I remember standing on a table to catch a glimpse of the stage. The room was packed and every subculture known to 1987 Brisbane was there. Swampies and greenies rubbed shoulders with rude boys and girls. The two supports were local bands, Wondrous Fair, a new and artistic group, and Scar favourites, Furious Turtles. The diverse lineup spoke to Billy's widespread appeal.
2: It wasn't like a normal Billy Bragg audience. Something else was going on there. Right. And initially, you think when you walk out and you see them all like that, this there's some places where when you go on stage, the audience make the noise that they're supposed to make when you come off stage. And when that happens, you know you're in for a really great night. You know, kind of like the audience, it means the audience are already fired up. And they're not just like really pleased to see you, Bill. It means they're really fired up. And then they themselves have already got to a level that you might take, you know, 20 minutes to wind them up to. If you play the right songs and say the right things, you might be able to get them up to that level. And then, you know, in the last half hour of the set, you're banging them with the, you know, hitting them with the bangers. And finally, you let loose with New England, go over the top. And it's all done. They've took them over the top. When you walk out on the station, they've already gone over the top, <laughs> you then got to think to yourself, okay, I'm going to have to make sure i keep on top of this because this gig could run away with me. Wow. This gig could really run away with me. And that doesn't often happen.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and the first few times it had happened, it can be a little bit scary. But By the time I got to Brisbane, I'd kind of understood it. And, it, and it, what it did was it upturned all my preconceptions about what the show would be like, the rugby club, Brisbane, the deep north, all that kind of stuff was upended by an audience that was incredibly enthusiastic for what I was bringing.
0: This was not your average Sunday night in Brisbane and there was one moment that changed everything. Only two songs in, this happens.
4: You want a nice... What a nice city. He's over there, mate. What a nice city uh, you have here. We've been uh, grooving out. Because your fame as Queenslanders is spread far and wide. You know, I was in Sydney yesterday, wandering round Paddington, and I saw a bumper sticker on a car that said, Sir Joe for PM. (laughs) Fortunately... Fortunately, this was on the bumper sticker of a Volkswagen Beetle. I'm saying fortunately because it only took three of us to turn the fucking thing over and knock it in the street.
2: <laughs> yeah, that is the sort of thing I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's sort of like that's what you want to do. You want to make that connection with people. It's absolutely crucial because if you can make people smile, uh, if you make people laugh, when the politics comes, it comes like an arm around a shoulder rather than a punch in the gut.
0: The upending of the unsuspecting Joe-loving beetle became a metaphor for what we wanted to happen to the entire Bielke-Peterson regime.
3: It was a little like it was a little like being at a political rally.
0: This was the conversation we'd waited twenty years to have, and it took a singer from the opposite end of the
3: earth to start it. And Billy talks a lot about the parallels between our Joe era and the Thatcher years that he was living through at the time, and and it was a real kind of like. You know those the sort of the town hall meetings that you hear about, where you know people are thumping the desk and all that kind of stuff. But he's got this real kind of statesman like quality, even back then, of being able to bring a group of people together and send them in a you know like have that direction.
0: Through his banter between songs, Billy held our hands tight that night, and we were waking up. Yeah,
2: you know, when you were in the audience, I mean, I don't know how you said how old were you?
0: I was seventeen.
2: Yeah, you know, you're in a room with all these. Politically charged-up people. I don't know what your experience was, but you may never have been in a room like that before. You may never have been in a room to see a load of people singing. There is power in the union at the top of their voices. And what I want is for you to go away and everybody else to go away, feeling the same way that I feel when I see an audience react like that, which is that I'm not the only person who gives a shit about this stuff. That there well, are other people out there who care.
4: Have snow? we have a word for and a word for lady Flo. i say are you we have a
2: word but it's more important for you because you live in this town the next day I'm in another town laying that same trip on another audience I'm gone but you're still there and you know you take away from that night, a small nugget of solidarity that you know there's a room full of people in Brisbane who give a shit about this stuff. You are not allowed.
0: After 23 songs and two encores, Billy challenges every person in the room to take a stand against our very own version of Thatcher's Tories.
4: The thing that worries me most, you know, is the way he says to people, I, I, just leave it to me. Don't you worry about that. Take care of that. God will speak to me. Lady Flower will speak to me. Sunny Jim will speak to me. And you look into those watery, misty blue eyes, and you know, and you know, you know what that man is planning. You have all people know what that man is planning. You people here in Brisbane, you know what that man is planning. Are you going to let the rest of Australia be fooled into electing him Prime Minister? Are you going to let the rest of those people living free thinking?
2: And that's the power that music has. Not the power to create change, but the power to inspire people, to to give people that momentary sense of solidarity, whether it's political or emotional. So I say
4: unto you, what are you going to do and what are you and you and- For someone to just vote him down, don't wait for him to get fed up or for him to just think, oh, well, I've had enough, because he won't. Because he thinks he's on a mission. You know that. You know that. He's on a mission to make the rest of this country a mini South Africa, to make the rest of this country a police state make the rest of this country just like Cairns, just like Cape York, just like Brisbane. Ah.
2: In that particular case, on that particular night, what I was doing at the end there was really about trying to fire up Reflect back onto the audience the activism that I was experiencing from that audience, and and reflect it back onto them so that they took took away because they, they they left with their activism supercharged because I left with my activism supercharged after that. Stand on,
4: and stand down, Sir Joe, Sir Joe, you know where we want you to go.
2: When you go to somewhere like Queensland, or somewhere in the time of Sir Joe Bjorki-Peterson, because so few left-wing performers come, every radical from miles around turns up. They turn up and they're really fired up for what you're bringing. They really want it. In Brisbane, everything seemed to be turned up to 11. It was one of those few places where I experienced what we laughingly refer to as brag Mania. And that's the thing that um, where well you, you kind of lose control of the audience a bit, and you go away and you think, okay, that's Brisbane. Remember yeah. every time you come back, you remember that. You remember the, the, you know the the energy of the people that they were so pleased to see you. That they went, I mean, people are always pleased to see you when you come to town. They bought a ticket. They're really pleased you're up on stage. They really love what you do. You come at the t-shirt store off, you shake your hand. They're really pleased to see you. But there are some places. Where it goes beyond that. And you you realize that it's something, as a much, there's there's, beyond the excitement, there's a real kind of connection there. And I think um, Brisbane has always had that feeling.
3: musicians will tour a country and not know anything about it apart from the hotel rooms they stay in and and he really makes the effort to understand where he's going and what's going on what the political climate is like and i think he could see that triple z was a kindred spirit in terms of the way that we had passion about the 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 state that we were in that on, on two levels uh you know the the position that triple z took that the political stance that triple z had and the fact that triple z was so passionate about its ideals and i think that he saw that kind of kindred spirit between him and the radio station uh and as i said he was a subscriber for a number of years um he had that connection and he cared So I think that, that he really got that connection of that shared passion about ideologies that were important that he had that Triple Z reflected as well.
2: You know, I think it's the very least that I should be able to do after the support you've shown me because, you know, you can guarantee there was nobody else in Queensland playing my records in 1987. You know, I'm, I'm totally aware of that.
1: At the end, he, it was pretty clear he was going to hang around and talk to people after the show.
2: You know, that's how I found out about what was happening in Queensland, doing that in Sydney people telling me about because you know that's where you find out because all the things you've talked about politics people are psyched up about politics they want to come and tell you what's going on and and i would have learned that from sitting on the stage talking to people after the show that's that's you know how else would i learn you know how else would i get that perspective it's absolutely and still is because that you know i still try and do that when i can and i still learn stuff that i wouldn't have learned otherwise so it's crucial part of what i do
1: And there was a few other urges like me kind of hanging around at the end of the show, and they were actually getting stuff signed. They had handbills, or maybe some of them had been enterprising enough to bring records, but I didn't have anything. I just had a shirt, my white shirt, that I was wearing. So I got him to sign my shirt with a nico he had. And then I wore it very, very proudly to uni. Uh, the next day or the next few days and my my friends at uni thought that I'd done it myself. It's <laughs> very cute, it probably speaks to the idea of they, they knew how enthusiastic I was about Billy. <laughs> I'd fake something like that.
0: Stephen McCarris from Support Act Wondrous Fair remembers having a chat to Billy. But Maybe what's more important is that I went and said hello to his manager, Ian Thompson, and I said to him look, we need a manager (laughs) and we need a record contract. We want to release our music in England. And he just sort of laughed, but he did give me an address. And um, Wondrous Fair,
3: we were very interested in new instruments and making new sounds. And we had these plastic whirlies. So I set one of those in a big box along with a demo tape.
0: He didn't know it then, but the winds of change were starting to blow. Months prior to the concert, investigative journalists were already uncovering the extent of the corruption of Joe's government and the abusive powers handed to the Queensland police force. After that 87 gig, really, um, in 1988, uh, we saw a lot of changes here in Queensland. So Joe was not Premier anymore. His own party had... had I, doing...
2: Listen, I take no credit for that, but you know... <laughs> Not, you know, as soon as I turn up, house come down like a house of cards. I'm saying nothing. I'm just sitting back here and smiling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Joe was not going to Canberra. He was going back to Kingaroy. You can hear more about Joe's downfall in the first episode of this podcast about the tireless 4ZZZ journalists bent on exposing the murky underbelly of Queensland politics. While Joe was back in Bethany, Conservatism had found its way into the student union at 4 Z's birthplace, the University of Queensland. After a brief stint in Toowong, the station was looking for a place they could call home. Fast forward another 18 months and um, we were homeless. They were broadcasting from the transmitters up at Mount Cutha and then we had to find another temporary home. And um, you're back at East Sleeves Club playing a fundraiser at our market day for 4ZZZ. So your support for the station in all of its um, highs and lows was was really evident. So thank you for, uh, for coming back.
2: You know, I think it's the very least I should be able to do. So you know, you're, you're responsible for what putting Queens, uh putting Brisbane on the map for. Them. I made less sense than the government, yeah. And to be able to come back still and see you, it's kind of you know we've we've been through a lot together, and we're still here you're still interested in talking to old geezers like me who uh, perhaps don't, don't threaten the charts as much or never, never really did so uh, it's not just me who's still around and, and pleased about that but I think you should be proud of that as well 4 uh, Z, should be proud of that as well for, for hanging in there and still playing music that's outside of the, the comfort zone for a lot of people
0: This podcast was produced across the lands of the Turbal, Jagara, Yagara, and Nuganbear people, and we acknowledge that sovereignty over these lands was never ceded. This episode was produced by me, Kristen Black. I'm a volunteer at 4 z and I host the show Heyday. You can listen to it online at 4 zorgau Executive producers are Grace Pashley and Max Rowley. Sound design and theme production by Lucy McAfee. I'd like to personally thank Billy for his generosity in sharing his memories from the performance, for his enduring friendship with 4 Z, and for teaching me bar chords all those years ago. Thanks to David, Jeff and Stephen for sharing your memories. To Brisbane Bands, The Parameters and Wondrous Fair, thanks for teleporting us back to the 80s airwaves on Z. Go look them up and support independent artists. To the 4 Z tech crew who recorded and broadcast the gig, and the volunteers who did a tonne of archiving work in 2010, digitising reels and reels of tape kept in the basement filing cabinets of 4ZZZ, we are eternally grateful. Make sure you subscribe to From A to Z so you can get updates every time we release an episode. We've got a few coming out early next year too. This podcast has been produced to tell some of our stories for our 45th birthday. If you like what you hear and want to support community radio for another four decades, you can head to 4ZZZ.org.au or visit the links in the show notes to make a donation, buy some limited edition merch or even subscribe.
2: to the next time. See ya. If